ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. And thank you for subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm 12 Kyle. Check this out. (laughs) On this podcast, what I'm going to do is give you my recap of the year 2020. To say that 2020 was different is a huge understatement, right? Um, I don't think, <laughs> in fact, I'm pretty sure none of us who, you know, came into 2020 thinking that it was going to be what it was. Um, and I always go back. And when I think about, you know, 2020, I go back to 2019, um, I have a picture in my phone. Uh, the picture was taken December 31st, 2019. And it was, you know, the last evening of that particular calendar year. And in the picture is a picture of me, my wife, Sharice, our sons, Dion, Cameron, Brandon, and our daughter, Skylar. And we're all smiles <laughs> and we're at church, which is where we brought 2020 in, uh, brought the new year in in church, which is not uh, something that uh, which is actually something that we try to do each year. Um, but, you know, we were all smiles and service was good. And uh, the the thing that I take from that photo is um just the looks on our faces and the uh, <laughs> I guess you could say the optimism of what 2020 would bring. Um, and again, you know, none of us are fortune tellers, so nobody knows what the future holds and nobody knows, you know, what you'll see in the upcoming year. But I do remember, you know, being sitting there in the service and I remember uh, our pastor of our church, he coined the phrase. He said, there will be plenty, plenty in 2020. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> but, um, you know, I go back to that picture and I just, um, you know, I, I just, when I see that picture of us, you know, much like everybody else that particular night, you know, we had a certain level of optimism for what 2020 would be. Um, none of us. <laughs> None of us could foresee what 2020 actually was. Um, Obviously, if you're talking about 2020, you know, one of the biggest stories in 2020 was uh, the coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever you want to call it, the Rona. Um, I just remember I, I go back and I'm trying to think like my first thoughts of hearing what it was probably it was probably late in January when I, fr- when I first heard about it, um, you know, and it was one of those things that, you know, something that was overseas and, you know, I, I, I follow the news, but I wasn't really following coronavirus like that, to be honest. And, um, you know, they were talking about, it was taking people out, but I mean, honestly, it kind of, for me fell on deaf ears because, 
you know, I'd seen this kind of stuff come and go. You know, there was the swine flu, the bird flu, you know, um, other, you know, diseases that have come and gone and, you know, didn't really affect us here. Uh, so, or at least, you know, not in a major way. So, um, honestly, I, you know, much like everybody else, it you know, was flying, truly flying up under the radar for me. Um, and then things started to turn probably towards February, um, started getting more news about cases and, you know, it was something that was overseas, but now, you know, because of travel, um, you know, just like anything else, it's going to eventually make its way to the, to the United States and, um, you know, something that kind of spread and, um, you know, then I think it was around March where by the time they mid February, end of March, I mean, it was already here. It was, you know, devastating, uh, like places like New York city. Um, it was just out of control. And, uh, you know, so one of the biggest things that I take from the coronavirus and the spread of it and just how the blatant disregard for health and mismanagement that the uh, leaders of this country um, did was, you know, basically they chose money over people because at first it was like, okay, let's, (laughs) you know, it was a a major push. Okay. Hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to wash our hands. uh, We're going to social distance and we're going to wear a mask and and I'll get to mask in just a second. But, um, you know, for some people it became, uh, it was a joke. Uh, it was from some other idiots, you know, they pushed it off as a hoax. And then you had the leader of the free world, uh, your man, Duke Duke, gets all the intel on the virus and he just bypasses it like it's something it was it was a china virus it was he had all of these stupid little names for it but the thing about covid-19 was that it's not it wasn't going anywhere you know so it it was uh, until we fought it it was going to be here to stay and so um you know again initially there was a push to you know take care of yourself take care of, you know, your neighbor, you know, look out for yourself, look out for your neighbor. But then after that, after a while, I mean, that lasted for about a month. Uh, I remember by the time March rolled around, we had pretty much gone on a shutdown here in, um, in Georgia. I live in Atlanta and, um, yeah, it was a shutdown. I mean, like <laughs> we weren't going to work anymore. Uh, fortunately I was able to work from home, um, from my job and, um, you know, it wasn't going to work anymore. Kids were out of school. Everybody was online. And so, you know, it was just something where it was like, no, you can't go here. You can't go there. You know, the only place you pretty much could go was the grocery store. You know, if you went and ordered food and you order takeout, um, you know, the whole nine. So we did that. And again, that lasted for about, I don't know, a couple of weeks, maybe a month or so. And then after that, you know, again, things changed and the powers that be, <laughs> the leaders of your state, leaders of your community, leaders of your cities, leaders of this country decided that, hey, 
money is more important. We got to get this bread. <laughs> so we're going to get this money any way we can. And one thing that I learned when I was in college at South Carolina State University, um, I had a professor by the name of Dr. Cole, uh, financial management professor. Shout out to Dr. Cole. I know you're listening. Uh, Dr. Cole said, even in the roughest of times, even in pandemics, even in global depression, there will be a sector of people that will make tons of money. And you know what? I, I never forget what Dr. Cole said that. And it still stands out to me to this day, some 20 plus years later. Yeah, it, it, we're in a global pandemic, but somebody's making money. And so you had to kind of look around, but you didn't have to look far to understand who was making money and how money was being made. Of course, if you're in a global pandemic, you know, lives are being lost, money's being lost, businesses are closing, so forth, so on, a whole nine. I get it. Um, but yeah, it this, you know, the powers that be in this country say, okay, look, after after a point, you know, it wasn't about, hey, wash your hands, wear a mask, you know, social distance, don't go anywhere, you know, quarantine in your house. It just became, okay, hey, <laughs> y'all could do what y'all want, but we're going to get this bread, you know. And so it wasn't necessarily surprising because I've seen this country do this before, but, you know, it's, um, that's where we were. So, um, the coronavirus, you know, dominated the news headlines and everything. And, um, you know, it, it became a point where, again, the push was, hey, the CDC, <laughs> the CDC and my man, Dr. Fauci said, look, put on a mask. Oh, buddy, 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 bruh. It was a problem with that. Because you had a segment of people who didn't feel like, one, that this virus was real. Uh, and then, two, wearing a mask became a political statement. Uh, how that happened, I'm not exactly sure. Of course, I know how it happened, but still. Yeah. So if you were wearing a mask, you know, it, that was violating my rights. No, it's not violating your rights. Basically, if you wear a mask, what you can do is you can protect yourself more importantly you can protect the next man from catching this and transmitting this virus and you know it it, it became a divisive issue and I'll, I'll touch more on it um mask and politics uh because you know <laughs> there's a politic uh <laughs> there's a politic podcast coming and i don't even talk about politics but there's there's one coming so stay tuned um but yeah, you know, so it the movement went from, hey, let's protect ourselves, let's hunker down, whatever the case may be. It's like, look, you know, it's everybody for himself. You're infringing on my rights. I have the right to go and go to the grocery store and not wear a mask. I have the right to, um, you know, go to go to go out to eat to dinner and not wear a mask, and you can't make me, you know. And I think one of the things that um, this pandemic has taught me of many things is that it's one thing to tell people it's one thing to say okay well you this isn't available or you can't do this and it's another thing when you tell particularly privileged people you can't go here you can't do this you're going to do this this way 
this way and that way and there's nothing you can do about it and privileged people no they they, they don't take too kind to um let's just get let's 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 get around the elephant in the room some white folks not all but some a a a, a lot what a lot of white folks um they don't feel like you can tell them what to do you know black people too to some degree but for the most part i think most black people will comply and fall in line when you tell them to do something and there's always gonna be a segment you know it's gonna be like nah we ain't doing that cuz but at the end of the day you know a mask is not a political statement what it is is it's protecting you more importantly it's protecting the spread so we went through you know the entire year and and here's the funny thing well not funny but as the numbers as the months increase the numbers i think the transmission and stuff kind of slowed down and then right around memorial day when the cdc was saying look you know kind of chill on the cookouts and chill on the going to the beach oh no you can't take away our summer we got to do this we got to do that and then the numbers skyrocketed and numbers have been cases and deaths you know have gone up ever since then and i mean at the by the time thanksgiving hit i mean like it's (laughs) we are at the time of this recording we are losing more people people dying in this country a day than we lost in the total that we lost in 9-11 so imagine 9-11 happens and i think we lost like 3,000 people i don't have the numbers in front of me and we're losing that every day in this country every day you know because people don't want to wear masks they don't want to um social distance they don't want to they don't want to be they don't want to be told what not to do so the coronavirus has been here to stay um, I will say this, and, and I'll, I'll talk more about the coronavirus on another podcast, but you don't need me to tell you what it is and how we get past it. And I mean, obviously, now at the time of this recording, there are vaccines and people are getting vaccinated and soon the vaccinations will be available to all of us. And then, you know, you have to make the decision as to whether or not you're going to take that vaccine and whether or not you're going to, you know, wear a mask wear a mask for the rest of your life i don't know um it was interesting for me to see sports you know kind of move along uh basketball was the first sport that was hit and actually the first sport that shut down when um rudy gobert from the utah jazz tested positive for the coronavirus the nba so like in the the nba was like nah we, we shutting this down shut the whole thing down and then they, um, Major League Baseball shut down before they even got started. NFL adjusted and they shut down. And every sport, every major sporting event shut down. And they did that. And, you know, so now not only are we are on quarantine, but, you know, there's no sports. And it was interesting. It was an interesting summer. And then, you know, they said, okay, well, hey, we'll bring it back. The NBA said, the NBA said we bring it back. We're going to go into a bubble and we're going to finish our season and we'll play in front of no fans and we'll, you know, get through it. And to their credit, the NBA did. There was not, when they went into the bubble, there was not one positive test in the bubble. um, And they were able to finish their season and crown uh, the LA Lakers and LeBron James as champions. Um, But other sports who did not go into a bubble were not as successful. The NFL has struggled uh, to the finish line, college football, 
Uh, Major League Baseball did crown a champion, the L.A. Dodgers, and uh, the mo- one of the most 2020 things of uh, 2020 was that a member of the Dodgers tested positive for coronavirus, played in the game, in the final World Series game, got notified that he had tested positive. The Dodgers go on to win the game. He got, well, bef- let me go back. Before... <laughs> He got pulled from the game in like the sixth inning, right? The game goes in nine innings. So they pull him out the game and say, hey, bro, you got to go sit over here and chill out. Uh, your test came back positive. And so he's over there chilling in, in the locker room by himself. And then so the Dodgers go in and win. And the most 2020 thing happens. They win. And this guy comes out on the field to celebrate with his teammates without a mask on. And subsequently passes the virus to other people as they're celebrating the championship. <laughs> I mean, 2020 has been hell, man. Um, but sports, you know, they they struggle through it and they will continue to struggle through it because, you know, they're, they're trying to get money. You know, again, money over people. Um, what else happened in 2020? Obviously, one of the biggest stories that happened in 2020 was um the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Um, To say that it was crazy is an understatement. Um, If you didn't catch it, um, George Floyd uh, was allegedly passing off some fake money in some store or something like that in Minneapolis and they called the cops cops you know got rough with him took him down and officers held him down while one officer had his knee on his neck and basically murdered him right there on the streets of Minneapolis all while being filmed for the entire world to see um you know, it was uh, I'll be honest, I, I have not and will not watch that video. Uh, I just couldn't. I, in fact, I, I don't watch any cop killing videos where cops kill citizens, uh, black Americans. Um, I don't watch those videos because they're, they're triggering to me uh, as someone who has had run ins with the police. Um, that ain't something that I do. Um, but. George Floyd in particular, uh, for a lot of people, was the final straw. It was the line in the sand, if you will. Uh, it was, for some, it was the proof that, hey, this exists. Police brutality, you know, hate crimes, um, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that's what it was. And I mean, like, again, it was for the entire world to see because it went viral and it made the news and there were protests. And I don't want to, I don't want to tell you that there were just protests in Minneapolis. There were protests everywhere. When I say everywhere, I mean everywhere. And the black lives matter movement, uh, was pushed to the forefront and, you know, it, it was this year was 
I, I, I continue to say that this year was heavy, but this burden that we share as black people um, with the fear of being killed and murdered by those who are hired, those who are here to serve and protect us is simply unacceptable. And that's a fear that most people don't have. You know, as a black person, as a black man, that's something that I fear. I fear for my children. I fear for myself when those blue lights come on. Um, I've been, you know, in front of those blue lights <laughs> and, you know, routine traffic stop. I remember one time a cop stopped me and said, hey, you got your hat on backwards. <laughs> huh? But that's another story for another day. But nonetheless, um, yeah, George Floyd's murder um, set off this country from that moment this spring through the summer was a powder keg. And it was like one after the other. Um, had a young man in uh, Georgia, uh, rural Georgia, who was jogging through a neighborhood and was hunted down by you know these three white guys shot and killed him um they went to jail obviously but still you know he was just running through a neighborhood and again caught on tape we had a uh, an incident here in atlanta uh this guy at a wendy's he got pulled over actually he he went to wendy's fell asleep and 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 it was crazy because he fell asleep at Wendy's and the people that he fell asleep in the line in the car in the drive through line. The people at Wendy's could have and should have. Hey, knocked on the window. Hey, man, wake up. Whatever the case may be. They call the cops. Cops running through a whole bunch of field sobriety tests. Uh, they say, OK, hey, we're going to take you in. And he panics. He gets into a fight with both of the cops are whooping the ass. He takes off running. They shoot him in the back in the Wendy's parking lot in front of everybody. Shoot him in the back as he's running away. Killed him. Atlanta exploded. I mean, it, it, it's wild because this is where I live and to see that happen, see buildings and stuff on fire where people have just had enough and for the better part of a month, there was a protest and a nightly standoff between the people and the police for about a month it was crazy because i could turn on the news and i could see places where i normally hang out at or kick it at and they were going head to head with the police and not only were they going toe to toe with the police but they even brought in um armored trucks and ride gear and a whole night this was a nightly thing it is it's crazy because there were peaceful protests uh, most of the day and then as nightfall came psh, it was like a war zone um brianna taylor in uh, louisville you know cops serving a warrant kicks in the door shoots up uh the apartment wrong apartment kills innocent brianna taylor i mean honestly with the number of people who were killed number of black people let me be more specific number of black people who were killed by the police this year 
it's nauseating. I, I honestly, I I can't even run off half the names because it was like it was happening every other week. Um, but George Floyd was, uh, you know, his given the fact that it was caught on camera because, and you know, to be honest, for a lot of people, let me rephrase that: a lot of white folk, not all, but some, they didn't believe that what black people were saying as far as, Hey, you know, we're being brutalized by the police. We're being killed innocently by the police. And, you know, Oh no, it could have been something. It must've been something. I remember a couple of years ago here in Atlanta, there was a guy who was, I think this guy was like strung out on drugs or something. He was running through this apartment complex and he was naked, butt ass naked. Didn't have any clothes on. Somebody called the cops and the cops said that he made an aggressive move at him, so they shot him. I mean, he's he's naked. It, he ain't got no gun. I mean, you know, and so these things happen, and and they happen way too much. And and here's the 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 thing that we want to stress: we don't want to be killed by the cops. Period. Point blank. We don't want to be killed by the cops. The cops are here to serve and protect. We want the same benefit of the doubt we want the same whatever you want to give for the next man for the white man for whomever we don't want to be killed by the cops period point blank um but george floyd's murder you know set off a powder keg in this country there were protests damn near everywhere and then when i i mean from major cities to small town america protests and the phrase of the summer was black lives matter and I took that with a grain of salt because I do know that black lives matter. Uh, it's not all lives matter. It's not blue lives matter. It's not <laughs> your cousin them lives matter. It's black lives matter because we do. And black li- the black lives matter movement isn't a terrorist organization. It is people who are standing up for their rights. We don't want no smoke, honestly. <laughs> Black people in this country, let me say this very clearly. Black people in this country want equality. That's it. We don't want your jobs. We don't want your house. We don't want your car. We want the same opportunity to get everything in life as the next person, as the white person, as whomever. That's all. If we wanted revenge, if we weren't the type of people that we are, if we wanted revenge, oh, it'd be hell to pay. I had an old head tell me one long time ago when I was coming up, if black folks <laughs> treated white folks like white folks treated black folks, we wouldn't be here. Nobody. And that's that's through history. I mean, I'm not. I, you don't need me to give you a history lesson on how we have been treated and, you know, done in this country. But that's what we want. We want equality. That's it. I want to be able to walk down the street. And if I have an encounter with the police, I don't want to end up dead. Because trust me, my my white friends don't end up dead. They don't. You know, we want to be able to go to the (laughs) go to the park and walk our dogs and not have white women call the cops on us. That's what we want. Simple. Not asking for much, but 
like I said, the 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 whole movement was it was I took it with a grain of salt because after George Floyd, there was this huge and, and Breonna Taylor, there was this huge swell of emotion in this country. Well, we know Black Lives Matter. You had all of these Fortune 500 corporations um, getting, uh, you know, their money and everything and advertising dollars and they were showing up on the websites hey black lives matter black lives matter and it it became like the thing and i'm like okay that's cool that you put it on your website but what happens when the wave you know hits the land you know you you can ride the wave but what happens once the wave hits the shores what are you going to do then or what are you going to do when the next person next black man gets killed or next black woman gets killed um so yeah it was it, it was it, like I said, 2020 was hard enough to deal with dealing with the coronavirus was hard enough to deal with but you know this year uh black lives matter uh george floyd again brianna taylor uh Maude aubrey um and so many other names i again i i lose track because it's just it was just way too much um, but yeah, that became the, the, the thing, you know, and, um, for those who, I mean, like it, it was weird for me because like, I remember riding through this really ritzy white neighborhood in downtown. And I know not a lot of black folks live over there. Right. So I'm riding through the neighborhood and I saw at least 10 black lives matter signs in their yards. And I'm like, word, this is what we doing? I mean, you know, we appreciate the support, but, you know, uh, to to quote the great Kendrick Lamar, when shit hit the fan, is you still a fan? You know, so when it goes down again, are you still riding with us? We we need you to be an ally, not just because it's something cool to say or cool to put on a T-shirt or cool to post on your social media, you know. Ride with us at the polls. Ride with us when it's time for real change to be enacted. You know. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was heavy, man. It it was it was draining. And, you know, we are still fighting for a lot of those rights. Um, you know, and we don't know what's gonna happen. I mean, these cops, you know, they murder black citizens and then somehow, some way they get off, you know. Uh, in the Brianna Taylor, ta- Brianna Taylor case, excuse me. Um, you know, nobody found guilty. Family won a lawsuit. Everybody go home. Nah, it's not happening like that. And the next time that it happens, you know, the country's going to explode again because people are on edge. People are tired. We're tired. You know, one of the biggest things that help the civil rights movement get pushed to the forefront is that you had so many, not only you had, I mean, obviously you had black people, you know, in the streets fighting every day, but check your history. Part of the reason why the civil rights movement moved as quickly as it did, you know, as far as getting legislation passed was man you had white folks that were just tired of turning on the tv seeing black people getting dogs put on them and you know sprayed down with fire hoses and they got tired of it and 
I want to feel like what we experienced this summer with Black Lives Matter, that that moment has happened again. Time will tell. Time will definitely tell. But, you know, like I said, that as far as that was concerned, man, I, I could go on and on. It, it was it was so, so heavy. Um, What else happened in 2020? Oh, decision 2020. I won't get too deep into the election because, as I said, it there will be a podcast. Uh, this election was oh, my gosh. It was draining. And just like 2020. I mean, like it, it was draining beyond belief personally i did not see um (laughs) i didn't even see uh kamala harris you know running for president let alone becoming joe biden's running mate not because she wasn't qualified because she's more than qualified but you know um I just didn't see that happening. I, I, I figured that Joe, it would be down to Joe Biden and um, Bernie Sanders. Um, and then, you know, of course, your man Duke. <laughs> I mean, this guy's having pep rallies, people with no masks, these super spreader events. And, you know, people are getting the coronavirus and dying just by going to his, you know, his, his, his events. Um you know so it was yeah i mean like you're the leader of the free world and you're out here without a mask on and you're shaming people for wearing masks and then you have this meeting at the white house uh and what was it like 30 people caught the coronavirus including the president of the united states now it can't be more 2020 than that the guy who actually said the coronavirus was a joke or suggested that it was a hoax actually caught the Rona. Now he got rid of it pretty quick, you know, but, uh, you know, he, he, he got it for those of you who, and there's some people that don't think that he didn't get it. I, I, I was skeptical at first, but I, he couldn't, he couldn't have gotten it and not, I don't think he would have wasted away two weeks of campaigning and all of the stuff he was doing uh, if he had not been truly sick. And then, I mean, subsequently, everybody in the White House got it. So, um, but yeah, man, I mean, ultimately, Joe Biden, <laughs> Joe, not Joe Biden, Joe Biden wins the 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 presidency. I mean, in a landslide. And again, I'll talk about more. I'll talk about it more. Uh, there'll be a podcast uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, right before uh, Biden goes, in, Biden and Harris go into office. But um, yeah, it was comical, man. It was comical. I mean, like the recounting of the votes. And I remember seeing a tweet saying, "Like, why are we doing a recount so he can relose?" <laughs> I mean, it, it was just. It, it was just crazy man i mean like other countries had to be like laughing at us because duke 
Duke goes out and says, hey, I won. When you clearly could see on TV that you the state that he claimed that he won or the states that he claimed that he won. He was just ahead. You can't claim Pennsylvania when only 40 percent of the vote is in. Yeah, yeah, you were at 60 percent, but they hadn't finished counting them ballots, bruh. And, you know, again, part of the reason why we had we've never had so many mail in ballots. And the reason being is that, you know, Duke threatened to, you know, mess with the mail. And then Duke also said, well, hey, you know. We, we, we we're going to do this to the election, you know, so he he and his administration and his cronies were doing everything that they could to suppress the vote and so people were left with the decision i had this i had the same decision because i was very skeptical about going and standing in line around a bunch of people you know with the virus i was skeptical about that too i was like so i ordered i asked for a um a mail-in ballot didn't use it i ended up voting in person but still and i'll talk again i'll talk more about that on the political podcast but yeah decision 2020 i mean (laughs) <laughs> it was a joke uh i mean and the people have spoken the people have spoken i think joe biden had like 80 million votes and he had like 8 million more than duke and duke still running around here talking about he won <laughs> fuck out of here man um but yeah 2020 was also heavy um because of the coronavirus uh you know we had we had to adjust life you know we had to adjust to life and how things were um just on a personal note i experienced uh you know a lot of i don't want to say a lot but more than enough of my share of um losing folks and deaths um i can I can I can tell you that I, I know people that passed away from the coronavirus, not anybody in my immediate circle or my family or anything like that. But um, but nonetheless, when you have people. <clears throat> excuse me, when you have people pass away, I mean, like it's. It's hard to deal with and then it makes it even harder when you can't even give them the type of celebration you know, that you wanted to give them home going service and celebrate their lives because you can't assemble people. You know, you have to do that um, very meticulously now. Um, and that has changed over time. Um, but uh, like I said, it's a lot of deaths, man. I mean, like one of the biggest ones that hit me, obviously, was uh, and, I, and I talked about it on the podcast, um, actually dedicated a podcast to talking about uh, the death of Kobe Bryant. Well, the life and death of Kobe Bryant. Um, as I mentioned on that particular podcast, you know, I wasn't for most of his career. I wasn't a fan of Kobe. In fact, I hated. I might say I hated Kobe. I didn't like Kobe, but I think the latter part of his career, I put my hate aside because I realized that you know I was missing out. And I think you you as a fan, you don't want to miss some of the best years because you're just being a hater. Now, I recognize his talent. I, I never could deny his talent. But, you know, um, 
I had little silly reasons for, you know, knocking him. But, you know, the latter part of his career and his post-career, I mean, dude was cool as hell. I mean, just one of the people that you always want to hear and, 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 and listen to and, you know, get words from. And I think those last couple of years, looking back on his life, I think Kobe probably – you know, was, you know, preparing himself for things even bigger than what he did in his career. And um, you know, I remember getting the news that you know, his uh, the helicopter he was in, tr- you know, tragically crashed and killing him and his daughter. And I think it was six others. Um, and that was tough, man. I mean, like, I just remember, you know, because I came up in there like Jordan, Michael Jordan's my guy. Right. And Jordan will always be my guy. And what was interesting for me was that you know my now 21 year old son Dion, you know Kobe's his guy Kobe's his Jordan and so that was you know talking to him about it I you know I knew he loved Kobe but I didn't know it was like that and you know just fans all across the world and it's just it's it's just sad I mean it's still still weird you know to to even think about Kobe not being here um one other death that uh you know rocked us pretty hard was uh you know um our friend kim hayward um kim battled cancer for i don't know what 10 years maybe um kim is the wife of one of my best friends ryan and uh, if you know me you know um ryan's my dude um grew up across the street from me growing up and um he's like a little brother to me and um you know what was interesting was uh kim had beaten cancer and uh you know she she beat it i think two or three times and you know this last time you know things have been tough and she just you know just couldn't fight it and uh it was tough because you know they have three kids and um you know i i remember just (laughs) i remember talking to ryan and ryan told you know right they they met in college at clemson and i remember ryan telling me about her and um you know that was so i i go back to those conversations of like when they first met and going to their wedding and stuff like that and it's just you know and then seeing them you know raise three beautiful children you know who are all in you know like high school and middle school and um you know it's tough it's tough and um you know i'm still and always praying for them and ryan um, cause that's my, that's my guy, you know, but that was tough losing Kim. And I think Kim's funeral, Kim passed away in March. Kim's funeral was the last time that we were in public, uh, with a bunch of people, um, because coronavirus was coming and well, I, I can't, I can't say it was coming. It was really here, but that was the last time that I assembled with a bunch of people in a crowd, you know, in 2020 and that was like the first week of March um so yeah it it was that was tough that was tough I mean it was but we and I remember being at the funeral and and I told my wife I was like you know this might be the last time that we we can do this or you know just be in a place with people um and service was beautiful and everything like that but um you know still just you know we had hand sanitizer there but you know it's just it wasn't the spread hadn't been that bad to the point where, you know, we were overly concerned, but, you know, I'd be honest, we probably shouldn't have, um, but it was a beautiful service nonetheless. 
Um, and then the last um, death that rocked me was my cousin Tara. Um, Tara passed away uh, in March as well. Um, and she she too had battled cancer for the better part of the last seven or eight years. And, um, you know, it was tough. And it still is tough because Tara's, uh, and I, I wrote about her on my blog. Um, she is like one of the funniest people you'd ever want to meet. I mean, like she's only what a year or so older than me. Um, well, actually almost two years older than me. Um, and, um, you know, we're first cousins, her, her mom and my dad, a brother and sister. And, um, you know, I didn't, what was interesting and I talked about it on the blog was that like, I never, we never talked about cancer. Never, you know, like she'd say, Hey, I'm, I'm kind of tired today or whatever the case may be. And, um, you know, we would always text, we would always call each other. And I just remember, um, you know, um, early, I probably say like January, the phone call. She, I remember she called me on my birthday, which was December 9th of last year. And she left me a voicemail and I did not know that I still had the voicemail. I still have it. And I listened to it from time to time. And, um, you know, but January rolls around and, you know, I called her a couple of times. I couldn't, you know, she didn't answer. And it's just weird. Cause normally she'll answer. And she just, she texted me and she was like, Hey, I can't talk. I'll, I'll, I'm just, I'm kind of tired. I'll, I'll call you back. And, you know, we talked again, but that, that was, we didn't have any, I don't think we had any more long conversations after January. And again, like I said, she passed in March and, um, but I did, um, you know, we did get word that, you know, her body was shutting down and, um, right before she passed, actually the day before she passed, um, her sister, uh, Tempe, Tempe reached out to me and, um, she said, well, look, you know, I'm at the hospital with Tara, you know, uh, you probably should call, she was like, call me back and I'll let you talk to her. And, um, I talked to her. And I knew at that particular time that was going to be the last time that I talked to her. And, um, you know, she, uh, we didn't talk long, but we had, we had a, an actual conversation. And, um, you know, one of the things she said was, I'll see you on the, see you on the other side. That's one of the last things she said. And she said, I love you. And then we got off the phone. And, um, obviously it was emotional for me. I didn't show any emotion, you know, when we were on the phone, but, um, you know, it was emotional because I knew that was, it, it, it was still surreal. And, Tara, uh, excuse me, Tara, why did I say Tara? Tara was, um, she was going to turn 50, uh, at, uh, on September 29th. Um, so, you know, it, it was, um, it was bittersweet. It was bittersweet, but, um, she's gone. Definitely not forgotten. Um, like I said, we, we have a, a love and a bond and, um, you know, that, that'll, that'll never go away. So, you know, she's, she's looking down over us laughing because <laughs> that's what she did. Um, there were some good things that happened in 2020. Um, I, it, it wasn't all doom and gloom. Um, our son, Cameron graduated from high school. Uh, that was cool. Uh, it was dope. I'm happy. You know, I was really happy for him. Uh, all of my kids adjusted, probably a lot better than I would have in a global pandemic. Um, but, you know, to be in school, in high school and 
you know, March comes around and everything gets shut down and they say, okay, hey, you, no more school. And you lose your senior trip, you lose senior prom, you know, there is no graduation. I mean, his graduation literally was virtual. I mean, like we watched the graduation, you know, from our living room. They had present, you know, presenters and stuff like that, but he did not physically walk across the stage. He was actually in a room with us. Um, so that was different. And, you know, it was it was an adjustment, but he, you know, he graduated and he went off. <laughs> I, I can't say he went off to college because he he actually went off to college, but he stayed here. Uh, he did his first semester online and he'll actually be on campus um, in the spring. But, um, you know, I'm proud of him and proud of, you know, all of our kids for, you know, how they adjusted because it was a lot. But uh, we did manage to throw him a couple of graduation parties. Um, uh, we had one party outside and well, actually, both parties were outside. We, no, I'm, I take that back. He had a graduation party and a birthday party. Um, but, uh, you know, we were able to do that in social distance and you know be safe and everything like that. So that was cool. Um, right around the time that he graduated, uh a company reached out to me um, about, you know, employment. And I was like, word. <laughs> um, because I was, you know, I was at my company. I can't say it was okay. My company was okay. But, you know, I was, I was like, like anybody else. I'm like, look, I, y'all got to cut the check, man for what I'm doing here and my value that I feel like I bring got cut the check, you know, a, a bigger check. <laughs> and, um, I think the company that I was with the, the final straw was we had a meeting in February and, um, you know, they talked about all of the money that the company brought in and you start figuring out, okay, how much money you contributed to that. And they were like, okay, Hey, this is what your bonus is going to be. I'm like, when I saw the bonus, I was like, word, for real, this is what we doing? I was like, nah, man. I, I was like, I, I'm not, I'm not doing this. And so, um, I did a couple of phone interviews with a couple of people, a couple of companies, um, after that, but nothing serious, but this company actually reached out to me and, um, you know, out of the blue, I didn't post anything. I never sent at that particular time, I hadn't sent one resume out and uh, long story short. So they reached out to me and it was like, okay, we, we'd like to bring you in for an interview, you know, everything, whatever. She was like, you know, the lady was like real cool. And she was like, you'll, you'll interview with this person, that person. So within a span of, um, within a span of like, it was five days. I did four interviews. Um, and, uh, you know, so at that point it was just like really about them offering me, you know, the job and, you know, money should never be an issue, but it was, it was going to be an issue for me because I, and I told them up front, like, look, I, I don't want to waste your time, but you know, and I'm not going to negotiate back and forth. Uh, I, I'll tell you what I want and then we'll go from there. And when I told them what I wanted, it was like, all right, cool. In fact, to be honest, I think I probably, <laughs> looking back on it, I probably should ask for more, but I thought it was going to be a back and forth. And, you know, they were, they were all in, they saw the value and they saw the vision. So I was like, okay, cool. And so, you know, 
I switched jobs. And so <laughs> it's funny because um, when I handed in my resignation, my resignation letter uh, to the company that I was working with, um, the my manager was like, uh, you know, is there anything we can do to keep you? And I was like, honestly, no. <laughs> I was like, because if I tell you what I'm asking for, you're not going to pay that to me. Because if you could have, you would have. So um, that was funny to me, uh, them asking me that. Because I was like, there's no way. Y'all not going to, you're not. So, and, and, and I don't want anybody to, you know, think that I got a, you know, Kevin Durant contract or something because I'm broke. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, nevertheless, so I switched jobs and this job is a cool job, work from home permanently. And it's just dope. I, I love it. Um, what else happened? Oh, 2020. I mean, we hit 20 years, uh, did a podcast on that. Sharice and I celebrated 20 years of marriage. Uh, the years have flown by, uh, honestly, I, I it's funny because now I look at pictures and stuff and I look at pictures like of us early in our, you know, marriage and I'm like, where, where did these people go? And I don't think we look much different. You know, there's gray hair on my face and not hers, <laughs> but, uh, but, um, but yeah, it, it's been a blessing. So, I mean, I, I, you, you can't, you can't ever complain about, you know, uh, being married for 20 years. So, uh, it's been a blessing. Um, and, you know, last but not least, uh, you know, your boy hit 48 uh, in 2020. And um, the next podcast, uh, which will be which will be a bonus podcast, will come out. I'll talk about my birthday and how I celebrated and for the birthday in L.A. in the midst of a global pandemic. Um, so, yeah, it, it 2020 was it was a year, man. It was it was a lot. And I, I keep I keep going back to that picture um, of us as a family in church smiling. Um, you know, what will 2021 look like? Um, will some of you be on that new year, new me? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I don't really know how much 2020 will be, how much 2021 will be different than 2020. Um because we'll still be fighting this virus. We'll still will have our worlds, you know, in the quote unquote new normal. And, um, you know, the only thing I can tell you is that, you know, we have to kind of really go by something else that our past always talks about. Uh, be safe, be sanitized and be sane. Those three things you got to do, you know, so and I think sometimes being sane, being sane is probably the hardest thing to do but you know it's, it's what we have to do um we just got to continue to be who we are and and just kind of have a plan and, and go forth with that plan um you know I, I'm, I'm never big on resolutions or anything like that but i think you know something my dad always tell me make your plan work your plan as simple as that uh not sure what 2021 will look like but as we look back on 2020 in the good and the bad um, the one thing that I will say is we got a chance to see it. So no matter how bad it was and, you know, we got a chance to see it and yeah, we had to adjust. I mean, like I remember 
one of my homeboys, um, shout out my boy Bobby, he got married this year. We had to watch his wedding online because we couldn't be there. And, you know, I know people who, you know, had to watch funerals, watch their loved ones be buried online. I mean, like the same for, you know, when Tara passed. Um, at the time that she passed, like New Jersey was crazy. So you could only have three people at the funeral and like, I'm sorry, five people. And of the five people, like two of the people had to be the people at the burial site. So, you know, you can only have three. So how do you decide which three family members get to go? You know, it's just, it was a lot, you know, so it was a major adjustment. And I will say this much, people were able to adjust. And I think there's something to be said about that. Uh, We've been able to adjust in a new normal. Um, And again, 2020 was heavy, but ultimately we got a chance to see it. So whether or not it was good or bad for you or just, you know, whatever, ultimately we can say what we want, but we got a chance to see it. And that, is a blessing in and of itself. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks again for checking out this edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm your boy, 12 Kyle. I'll catch you guys next time. 5,000.